Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Would you like to contribute to the conversation? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition conversation was in. Jay Talking with Bradley Jay. I listen to morning with the sun up. I'm busy. WBZ News Radio 1030. I tune my radio to AM 1030. The radio's all yours now. I talk to a man whose name is Bradley J. Improved my mind in a wonderful way. I just called in to see what condition conversation was in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, what condition conversation was in. BZ, you're Jay talking live midnight to five. And it's Friday. I have that Friday energy. I'm feeling real good. And um, in the studio here, special guest, friends of Jordan Rich, and hopefully soon friends of mine. I, I've known, I've talked to Bill a lot on the uh, on the blower here at the uh, on the show. Never really spoken to Bo much, but it's Bill and Bo Winokur. Winnaker music and the Winnaker and the Bo and Bill Winnaker band here in person. That's a big deal. Thanks well, for being here. Thanks for inviting us. We're we're really thrilled to be in the new studio. It's fabulous. So what do you think? Oh, it's um, it's everything I thought it would be and much more. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Now, you you guys are musicians, but oh, so much more. You're sort of New England treasures, and everybody loves you because besides being great musicians. You're fun to hang around. You're really good-natured guys. Well, we've given a lot back. We, we've gotten a lot, and, and we've given a lot back. Um, my brother and I have been mentors for many years to hundreds and hundreds of musicians. Many of them are all over the country, and, and a lot of them are in New York City, and, and we connect with them all the time, and, and they always tell us, we learned so much working with you, and uh, you gave us lessons for life. Uh, and it was not just music lessons. It was how to treat people and, and how, how to interact with people as well as being the best musicians that they could be. So, Bo, you play the trumpet. Bill plays the drums. Bo, do you help Bill carry his drums? Uh, I do. You do. I, I absolutely do. <laughs> Bill will tell you that, that I, I help him tremendously. So you just walk away with your trumpet and he's got all this yeah, equipment. Yeah, but you don't, you no, don't understand. No, no. We, we, we carry uh, music stands and we carry music it's it's not just showing up we we have a lot of equipment that we uh, carry around with us but i do help bill and uh, it's a pleasure to help him so what kind of gigs are you doing these days well just within the last week uh the last couple of days we we've done some reunions i did a wedding last saturday night uh we have a, a birthday party this weekend and, and a, a charitable ball and then a 50th wedding anniversary, and uh, we, we're just doing a, a myriad of... How come you're so successful? I like Bill do this one. You know, there are other people who play music. They don't, they're not as successful. How come? The reason we're successful is because of our father. My father was a really great band leader. He was a great musician, but he loved people. So we learned about loving people and all kinds of people, and we learn how to play music. He taught us 
to appreciate every musical style. There's something I wanted to bring up tonight, so this is a good uh, time to do it. Most people love the music when they went to school. It could be uh, high school and college. They're fixated on it. They love that music and they stay with it. If you go back to American music, the beginning, so the, the first there was jazz and it was Dixieland jazz, and then the, the big bands you were talking about. Somebody called in about Jimmy and Dorsey right, and Tommy Dorsey. Sibling bands that had siblings in them, and That's somebody right. quizzed me and they they said big band, and I yeah. said I said I just guessed. Uh, Tommy and Bill, I said. Actually, yeah, I you, you said Bob, but that's okay. So Tommy then, and Jimmy. But, Bob, so yeah. they had Dixieland Jazz, and, and and those people stayed with it. And when Swing came out, they said, oh, that's crap. And then after the, the big band era with Benny Goodman and all those guys and Duke Ellington, then they had the modern jazz with Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie. And the Swing guys said, that's ridiculous. They hated it. And then uh, in the 50s came rock and roll with Bill Haley and the Comets and uh, Elvis and all you know everybody and and the, swing, the people didn't like like that at first the older the older crowd and then the 60s came along and the pe- people wanted their doo-wop in their 50s and but my father this is the main point here he taught us to love every kind of music he said every generation has their own music but it's all great and believe it or not, we're learning Ariana Grande tunes and well, Charlie Puth and uh, Cardi B, and I mean we're keeping up with. Uh, I I listen to Coast to Coast Top uh, Forty Radio, and whatever the popular songs are, we learn them for so, our weddings. So because of my dad, Bradley, we love the music of every decade. Who do you have singing the the female parts in those songs? Well, uh, we have it's actually three different female. We have two female vocalists and a male. Uh, vocalists and, and sort they, of on call for whatever yeah, the gig yeah, might exactly. be. Yeah, exactly, and and uh, they can cover all the different genres. I I wanted to go one step further. Um, Bill made a a really great point with you, but you asked why we're successful. It's a combination of of being very qualified musicians, and and it's also the interaction that we have with our audiences. We just don't play the music. There there are musicians all across the world that are some of the finest musicians that you'll ever hear. But sometimes they, they don't want to interact, but but we want to be the musicians and the, the audience all in one. And for example, in this little neighborhood restaurant where we've been playing for three years in Brookline, Mass, called Brothers Restaurant, everybody that comes in, they know us. And we sit down with them on our intermissions and, and we get to know them. We find out their favorite songs. We find out you know their, about their families. And, and so we're part of their lives. And that's one of the reasons. I went in there, as I was saying the other day, and was shocked by how small it was. I just wanted to see where you guys play. Yeah. It's so small. Well, it's small, but... but small, we, not, that's not yeah. to put it down. I just am yeah. always amazed they can generate enough money to pay world-class musicians well, like yourself. Well, let me tell you that we pack the place, and, and people keep coming back, and, it, and it's fun. It's a, it's a neighborhood restaurant. I can walk to work. Yay. Now, you, you, you credit your father with your success. How did he come to music? He... Was given piano lessons. His mother and father said, "Let's give uh, little Eddie piano lessons." So he had a classical piano teacher in the next town, Medfield, Massachusetts. We grew up in Millis. Yeah, we're from Millis, and uh, it turns out he had a lot of talent. He was like a little child prodigy. And he was playing classical piano, but then he heard the jazz on the radio. He heard Benny Goodman. That was his favorite band. And he heard Ellington and Count Basie and all that. This is way back in in the 30s. So he started to play that on the piano. He had a great ear. 
he could pick it up. So he went to his piano lesson and played that, and his teacher whacked him right on the knuckles. She kept whacking him every time he did that, on the and, and he was almost bleeding. In those days, you could hit a kid. <laughs> you know, those, yeah. those were the early days. You could discipline. She thought it was terrible. And then my father started a swing band when he was in junior high school. And he was playing all the hits, you know, the big swing hits. And uh, the principal of the school came in and, and started screaming at him. He says, this is, this is a, a sin. This is blasphemous. He said, stop. He banged down, down on a table. And, uh, you know, my father was always ahead of his time. By the way, nobody... Last night when we were doing sibling bands, no, somebody should have said <laughs> the Winnickers. Oh, well, they, they maybe, didn't. Maybe Next they, time I'll make sure they do. You know, well, that's nice of you. Oh, and that's... you became a family band really early on. Sort uh, of a, well, I was 10 um, when I started playing in uh, my father's band. Bill was 13, and my mother was 36 years of age. And Bill tells the story very well, but I'll start it, and then he, he can chime okay. in whenever he likes. Um, my dad uh, had... Orchestras from 39 on, um, he had regular musicians that he played with for years and years, and, and they were an organized band. Um, my father had a dream, and he had a vision. As Bill told you earlier, he was a visionary, and he worked with these regular musicians. They were fabulous musicians, and uh, they played all over New England. But he had a dream of starting a family band. Uh, Bill was banging on pots and pans uh, when he would rehearse his band at our house, and so uh, he knew Bill was going to be a drummer, and I had a lot of hot air. And so <laughs> my father thought I would be a trumpet player, and, and I did turn out to be one. And then one Mother's Day, um, my dad came home with a string bass for my mother. She was expecting a washer-dryer that year and was very disappointed when uh, she didn't get it. And she, he told her the bass was for her, and uh, she started taking lessons, and that's how we became the family band, mother and father and two talented, wonderful sons. And what year would that be? A uh, 62. 62. Uh, it's interesting. One of the ways I remember my father in the fondest way is a lot of fathers back in those days, I can only imagine, wanted to get away from their young children on weekends. My father wanted to be around his, and so he started the band so we could all be together. Bill, you wanted to, to continue? Well, yeah, we had a ritual and uh, this is what made us good because I teach and it takes years to get a, a student to become good. But here's, here's the secret of, of our success. My father would tell us to practice. We each had private teachers. Bo had a trumpet teacher. I had a drum teacher. My mother had a bass teacher. And would, after school, would practice in our room for a half an hour or so. We hated that, practicing all those exercises and scales. But what we loved was what my father did with us. He took us into a room in our house. We lived in a farmhouse out in Millis, very rural, 5,000 people. We were on a farm, and we had one room in the house that was nothing but instruments. It had a piano, and it had the drum set, and my mother's bass, and uh, Bo kept his horns there. We had a vibraphone in the, there, too, which I also played, yeah. and my dad played the vibraphone. A stereo system in there. So every I want to say one thing about the <laughs> stereo system. This is worth repeating to people in 35 states. There was a speaker in every room in the house. And when we went to bed at night, we were always listening to Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong and Carmen McRae. We were listening to the finest musicians in the world that my dad would, would play for us. But it, when you went in the bathroom, you heard the music. And like at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, I would have to 
unhook he, my speaker. He's always unplugging his speaker. Because I couldn't get any sleep. <laughs> so in 62, your dad had the entire house wired up? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But what we did was at, we would have dinner together, and then we'd help my mother with the dishes. This was a real rural farm, so the, there wasn't even a dishwasher in the beginning. We'd help wash and dry the dishes. But for two to three hours every night, we went into the music room, and my father taught us how to be a band. And it wasn't easy at first, but he had a formula, and he'd teach us one old song from his days, maybe a jazz tune. Every night we learned one jazz tune, and every night we learned one tune from the radio. So that's why we listened to the radio every day after school and would pick one of the top ten hits. And so we might learn a Beatles tune or a Stones tune or Animals. It could be whatever was popular, but we always learned a new song. We always learned a jazz tune and all kinds of other styles in between. My father would pick styles of music to teach us. And this went on for two to three hours every single night. After one year, Bo had memorized a thousand tunes. He had a photographic memory. So you could just, he, someone could just say, play whatever song, and you could just do it. Uh, that's and that's where happens you, you can also do that still. Still. Yeah, I think it's more like 15,000 songs. The memory know. thing must be something that you have that, you guys have that others don't. Well, it's a gift. It's a, it's an absolute gift. I mean, there are a lot of gifts. When we come into this world, we're given a lot of gifts. There are a lot of things I can't do, believe me, but I can do a few of them fairly well. Yeah, Bradley, I feel inadequate, too, because we're good at this music stuff, but I can't build anything or fix anything. Or, But you uh, can pay other people to do that. Well, we can, but interestingly Happily. enough, my, my father built an addition on our house. If we If something broke... He could fix it. He was one of these. Yeah, uh, he could do it all. Yeah, you, my, <laughs> my, my dad was, you don't have that. No, you, you said we don't he, have it. He taught you to be a band. There's more to be in a band than playing instruments. Oh, There's the, can, can you talk about the stuff he taught you other than playing your instruments about being in a band? Sure. Do you want to start? I mean, bands fall apart. They don't get along. Uh, they they don't travel well. They you know There are problems with bands other than the music that he taught you to avoid. That's true. That's true, but... My father, you know, and mother were loving, kind people, and we picked up on the way they treated other people. So the reason, if people think we're nice, it's because of our parents. They were really nice people. So we interact well with people when we go out and play for them. I've worked with a lot of musicians that don't, and they yell at the caterers, and they're snappy, and they, you know, we... we became nice people because we had nice parents. I, I want to try to take a stab at, at your question, which is, you know, how do you become a great band leader? How, how do you do it? And, and I think it's the equivalent of going to one of the finest hospitals in the world, and we have many of them right here in this area, and, and find the best surgeons in, in those hospitals. And, you know, being a great, competent band leader is equivalent to any one of those fantastic doctors in, in any department in the hospital, knowing what song to play, how long to play it, how loud to play it, when to change the mood. Well, you kind of like DJs. You have the DJ skills. Exactly. But but, exactly. but I mean the the yeah exactly yeah you're right about that. But it's it's just a, it's an art form. I think I'm a fairly good musician. I'm, I've been a guest conductor of the Boston Pops uh, five years uh, at the New Year's Eve. And I, you know, I've done a lot of great things. I've performed at the White House, two presidential inaugurations, uh, traveled the world over numerous times. 
I, I think I'm a great musician, but I also think I'm a much better person at having the ability of bringing people together. That's my gift is knowing just how to do it and when to do it and why to do it. So you guys can read the room. We do. What you're talking to me yeah. about is something that I identify as a DJ skill. Yeah. The only difference is instead of playing a record, you play it live. Yeah, that, that's it. You look at the people and say, "Oh, I know what the, I know what these people want." And exactly. then, you know, you you feel you ramp things up, you bring it yeah, down. It, exactly. And not only that, you probably do this, this the segue thing. You choose songs yeah, well, that go that's together Our, and don't. We do. We create. Don't wrench uh, things apart too much. Our sets go. Am I right? Our sets go for one and a half hours. And there's no break in the music. One, it's it's just because we've been playing together for so many years, all I have to do is look at someone or put up three fingers, meaning we're going into a different key, and off we go. We don't have to talk about it. We don't need set lists. <laughs> we just go. And, and, so and, three fingers means a different the, key? That yeah, means different E flat. E, well, we're going to E flat or... or Why or does three fingers mean E flat? Because well, there's three flats in yeah, that key. Uh, if you it, go this way, it's G, this so one sharp. We, we have our own language. Musicians, <laughs> we, our, us musicians have our own language. <laughs> and so, so, so that's what Bill and I have been doing. And I'll tell you the truth: the way that we really learned our craft is we we worked with the Winokur Family Band from '62 on. But when we came to college, we started working with a, a multitude of different bands. We we worked with ten or twelve different bands, and we took the best of each one of these bands and and we incorporated it into our own style. Is that correct, Bill? That's that's right. See, we work with a lot of great band leaders. There were Every hotel had uh, preferred bands that would be recommended for all these parties. And when we were in college, there was a lot of work. Yeah. So, so, so we work with them. We, we studied the way these guys did it, did it, too. We learned from my dad, and we learned from all these famous band leaders in Boston. And one of them was Ruby Newman. Ruby Newman was a very famous band leader almost all over the country. And I played with Ruby Newman many times. And then people would say to us years, years later, they say, you guys were the heir apparent. You sort of came on the scene after Ruby and sort of took over. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what they told us. You know, we were teenagers uh, when we worked with these guys. And some of the older guys in those bands used to scowl at us, but we learned a lot. Well, we, we learned our trade. Mm. And, and, and I think... I, you know, I want to say this one more time. I, I, I think I'm a facilitator. As good a musician as I think I would like to be, I think that the fact that, that I can look at a crowd, I can go to uh, a party with two or 300 people, and I can bring them all together in a very lovely, lovely way. I, I think that's my gift. And we have some folks that want to talk to you. We have Jim, Neil, and John. Great. So let's go with Jim first. Jim up in New Hampshire in the big... Uh, how you Hi. doing, Jim? I'm doing well, uh, Jay. Thank you for having the Winnickers on so I get a chance to say hi to Bill and Bo. Yeah, it sounds like you know them. Uh, yeah, it's Jimmy Page and not the one with Led Zeppelin, but oh, Jimmy uh, they Page, know who I am. Jimmy Page, you're one of my most favorite singers in the whole world. <laughs> I miss you uh, so much. Boy, uh, Bill, you should I miss hear you this guy well. sing. Wow. Thanks, sir. We go back. We go back of over 10 years, Jay, and, uh, and in keeping with what Bill and Bo were talking with you tonight, uh, the first time that I, we used to go and hear them at Skipjacks every yeah. Sunday, and uh, we'd sit there and we went for the music. But uh, I got invited to sing once, and I walked up and I, I called a tune called "I Concentrate on You," and, and Bo leaned over and says, "We don't have that one, Jimmy." And I said, uh, <laughs> "We oh, don't okay, have that so one. I can't it. imagine that. We no, have it, we have it now. But, but this <laughs> is part. 
This is part of the... Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. story is because uh, the next time I went in, uh, Bo leaned over to me and says, Hey, Jimmy, we got that one. You want to do that now? <laughs> so uh, that's, the, that's the way they treat singers they, uh, and everybody else. And that's what I was calling in to, uh, to affirm tonight while you have them on the radio there that... Uh, These are two wonderful gentlemen, not only great, uh, great musicians, uh, but also uh, great, great friends and great uh, individuals. Right, Bill and Bo? Hey, Absolutely. We, great to hear from you. We better see you one of these days. It's been a long time. Did you invite him up? Yeah. Not knowing that he was good, did you take a chance on him the first time or did you know? Yeah. No, we took a chance. But well, he, they had a friend uh, who was their art teacher that actually had that, kind of... Uh, that's right suggested that I might sing a, a good dear friend of both of all of ours and uh, and uh, and they took a chance but uh, it was great and and there's a real there's a real chemistry I I'm guessing with just about anybody that they uh, that they deal with because as musicians they oh bow with that horn and and uh, bill with his drums it's just great and then they have the wonderful musicians that play with them uh, I've got to get in and see you guys and I will find you at brothers we look forward to it one day soon. Thanks, Jim. And now it's Neil in Framingham. Hi, Neil. Hi. Uh, good morning. Um, it's a pleasure to be here on the radio. And I'd like to tell you um, how I met Bill and Bo. Uh, you're talking about the Newman office, Ruby Newman. And I did a lot, uh, quite a bit of work as one of their uh, – I mean, they had an awful lot of saxophone players, but I, I certainly was in the roster – I was uh, 24 years old back in 1971. Um, 71, going to be 72 uh, in, in a couple of months here in July. I'm going to need the and, short uh, version. Neil, I'm going to need the short version. Like the, the okay, to two I'll make version. it short. Uh, in November 6, 1971, um, Billy Croner, who ran the Newman office, sent me the, uh, to the uh, Arlington Street Church. And he said, you're going to play with the Winnickers. And I said, I don't know who the Winnickers are. You're going to play with all of them, all of them. And I meet Bill and Bo and their dad and their, and their, and their mom. And uh, we got along very well. I uh, really enjoyed it. And then all of a sudden, they started to give me some jobs. And I got in, the, I got in their family band for a while. Then when they formed the office, I, I got in as one of their saxophone players. They're very wonderful, close, dear friends of mine. And it's a pleasure, and everything that they say is absolutely true. So I've known them since 1971, and they're the nicest bunch of guys that I've ever known in my entire life. And it's just a pleasure to know them and to play with them. Thanks a lot, Neil. Is, really appreciate it. Is there any anybody anywhere that doesn't like you? Oh, I'm sure. Are you, are you aware of anybody? Well, because that would be a good story. I don't know of anybody offhand, but um, okay. You know, we try our best. All right, John in Medfield. Hello, John. John, Hi. I'm guessing, you know, go ahead. Let me, you're a photographer, right? Yes. Oh, I okay. don't want to disappoint you, but I'm going to join the bandwagon and say that uh, Bill and Bo are true <laughs> gentlemen, and they do give back. They help my son tremendously, or they help my family, my wife and I. Uh, my son played in their high school group 
when they were helping high schoolers uh, get together in a, in a band set up and play music. And when my son went on to college, he was a dual degree program at Tufts University in New England Conservatory, five-year program, which was costing my wife and I a lot of money, had to take out a second mortgage. And after three years, he decides he wants to go in the Marines. Ouch. And having met Bo photographing weddings and, and Bill, uh, I gave them a call and said, would you talk to my son? He won't listen to his mother and I. And uh, they said, sure. And they met with my son, and they asked me to leave. And the two of them talked to my son, and I picked him up and brought my son home. And he said, he'll wait till after college before he joins the Marines. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I can't thank Bill and Bo enough for that session that they spent with my son. It, it made, a, I think, a big change in his life. Uh, he's now a chief actuary at a large corporation. He still plays music for fun, and he helps out other high school kids uh, in music. Boy, that's, so, that's a good story, John. Thank you. Bill and Bo really do give back. Thank they you, don't, John. They I, help a lot of people. I really appreciate that so much. Great hearing from you. All right, now that, John, that uh, he, he's gone, what did you tell the son? What um, exactly did you say? Do you remember? If you don't remember, that's all right. You know, it was it was quite a long time ago. Did you paint a picture of the life of Marine and the life of you guys? <laughs> Look I, at us. Look at what we do. I, I don't know. You, you don't want this? Bo, Bo has counseled many, many musicians and changed their lives. Yeah, in, in a lot of different ways, just with um, situations that needed to be changed in order to have a healthier life. And I, I, I work with a lot of people. So you're pretty good identi- at identifying things that are holding people back? S- sometimes I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guys in. Uh, well, well, let me know if you can figure out what's holding me back. Yeah, there's nothing <laughs> holding you back. Let's go to Patty in Newburyport. Patty, hello. Hi, Bradley J. Hi. Hi, Bo. Hi, Bill. Hello, Hi, Patty. Patty. It's nice to talk to you again. Well, it's um, great to hear from you. Do you I know who Patty is? The... Patty, tell us how you know Bo and Bill. From listening to them on WBZ, and um, we're friends on Facebook. Oh, Patty, what's your last name? Oh, maybe you can't say Daniels. That. Oh, oh <laughs> I just Patricia, posted that you you're guys the best. are <laughs> Patricia. <laughs> um, I'm just wondering, um, can you talk a little bit about the people that come down to um, to listen to you? It just sounds like so much fun. You mean at brothers? And I have got to at brothers. Yeah. Uh, you know something? Yeah. It's such um, a it's such a cross section of people that come to see us. It, it's people we've played at their weddings, and they'll come to celebrate uh, their birthday or, or their anniversary, um, or the birth of their children. They'll bring their new children. We'll meet them, and uh, it's just a cross section uh, of people. A lot of families come with teenagers, and so we'll play music for them too. And uh, it's the people that we've played for all these years. Come and see us from time to time to celebrate special occasions. They become our extended family. That's really how it's been because we are so welcoming. I know that my late father, Ed, he had a business card, and he had his Florida location, and he had his main location, and he would tell people when he gave them his business card, if you're ever in this area in Florida or Maine, please come and see me. And many times they would call and stop and see him because that's how oh. he was. And that's how Bill and I are. I mean, what we're, a wonderful. We're, we're open arms. As I said earlier in this broadcast, we have mentored hundreds of people uh, 
I'm not going to mention any names, but there are some very famous names that, that we helped get started, and, and they have never forgotten. You know, my, one of my most treasured things is my grandmother's sheet music. And, um, you know, I never learned to play the piano. Um, I was young and impatient. You know, I was, you know, out and about and... Um, but um, I have to get in there. I, I hate the drive into Boston. Oh, I know, but, we've, but I've been uh, waiting for you to come I, in. Well, do you I know, know to meet you? I, it's summer, and um, Patty, I will. You're, I you're in Newburyport. You can take the commuter I line. Am. You can take the commuter line. Yeah, you sure could. And, yeah, right uh, to oh, okay. And plus, we play 6 to 8 on Sunday nights. Oh, I th- I okay. Think, I think All Sunday right. night is a great night to come. It's an early night. All right, I Patty. am going to do that. Yeah, well, thank you, so- Bradley J. Thank you so much. Of course, thank yeah, you. Thanks for calling. You. We have something that Bo's going to tell us and something that Bill's going to tell us. We'll start with Bo's trip in 1972 to the Soviet Union. We, we have the luxury of 78? Yeah. The luxury of time, so you can be detailed, because okay. it's pretty. you went to six cities in the Soviet Union yes. that early on. must have been something. Oh, it, w- it was terrific. How it, old were you? Uh, well, I can't remember okay. how, how old I you were, was. You were very young. Uh, I was younger than I am now, for sure, 78. If, uh, so I was a student at the New England Conservatory of Music um, after mi- graduating Millis High School, and um, I traveled in 72 and 73, with the Stan Kenton Orchestra, came back to the conservatory. They had started a ragtime ensemble at the conservatory under the direction of Gunther Schuller, who was the president of the school at the time. And so good fortune shined upon me when I came back from my travels with the Kenton band. There was an opening in the ragtime ensemble and Miraculously enough, I got the position. And this ensemble um, was a very famous ensemble. Before I joined the ensemble, they had recorded a a, a record called The Red Back Book. It won a Grammy Award. So not everybody wins a Grammy Award, but this group did. And so they started traveling all over the country and all over the world. And in 1978, the same group traveled to the Soviet Union for one month, a State Department tour. It was amazing. It was it was a, a, a amazing time to be out of the country and in the Soviet Union. And, and I we went as I said we went to six cities, and um, about halfway through our tour, we were going to a city called Tashkent, which is in Southeast Asia. And so rumor had it that when we were getting back to the hotel after our concert. Muhammad Ali and his entourage was going to be in the hotel. And lo and behold, we finished our concert that night and we came back to the hotel and lo and behold, there, there was Muhammad Ali and maybe 40 people. He had a whole entourage. ABC Sports was traveling with him. And um, we heard that the following week, he was going to be in Moscow um, fighting three of um, the Soviet Union's finest boxers. Uh, and um, He was going to fight three people? Yeah, yeah, but only two rounds apiece. It was just... Oh, all right. Just uh, for a, a demonstration. Yeah, just, just uh, I can't... Exhibition. An exhibition. Yeah, yeah, it was an exhibition. So, so lo and behold, uh, we're having our dinner in the dining room because we ate after the concert. Mohammed and his entourage are on the other side of the dining room, and, and we finish our meal, and we go downstairs to the lower level. There was a bar downstairs. And about 20 minutes later, Mohammed 
comes in by himself and sits in a chair right next to me. <laughs> and I'm going just about out of my mind. I'm saying this could never happen in America. There, there, was no, there would be no way that we could ever come this close to Muhammad Ali, and he's sitting right next to me like Bill is sitting right next to me in your studio yeah. here. And, and so, you know, Gunther Schuller's sitting on the opposite side of, of the table, and, and, and there are 16 of us from the group that are all intermingled around. And, and Muhammad was just so excited to come across some musicians from the United States that that he was inquisitive and asking us questions. And, th and then I was sort of interacting with him. And I said, Muhammad, how about telling us some poems? He started reciting some poems. And, and he just started going on and on and on and on. And then he said, you know, um, when I was in Moscow, um, just before I got here, uh, I walked across the Kremlin. And out of nowhere, thousands of people came parents with babies, and, and it was just the wildest scene. And, and at that particular time in 78, he was the most famous athlete in the whole world. Yeah. And, and he said, to give you an example, is Robert Redford was the most famous actor in the world at that time, but if Robert had walked across the Carmen, no one would have even turned their heads because yeah. they, they didn't know him. But Muhammad was an international figure. So he talked to us and went on and on telling us poems and stories and how he had gone to Harvard. And I was pretty much jumping out of my skin. I was so excited. Was he, was he pretty much the same in that sort of intimate situation as you see him in, in the big public? Yes, Effort, yeah. Like really yeah. high energy. Yeah. Oh, he was high, he was high energy. Now, now Gunther Schuller was the f smartest man that I ever knew. He was a genius, and and Gunther sat across from Muhammad with his mouth open, and he hardly never said a word, but he just couldn't believe <laughs> what he was hearing and seeing. So, so Muhammad get up from his chair after half an hour of regaling us with one story after another, and, and I got up with him. And he got to the elevator, I got in with him, and he said, you know, Bo, there's something very special about you, <laughs> and I'm fighting an exhibition uh, next week, and I want you to come. And so I'm staying at the Rosia Hotel, and I just want you to get in touch with me, and you're going to be my guest at this exhibition. Yeah. And it just so happened that we were going, uh, well, he was leaving the following morning to Samarkand to, to do some praying in mosques and mausoleums, but then... A few days later, he would be going back to Moscow, and after our trip to, to Novosibirsk, we, we were going back to Moscow, and I was going to be there then. So, so you, it so worked I, out. So it worked out. So, so I went, and I, I got in a cab with him, and, and we went to the mm -hmm. exhibition. There were 10,000 people there. He came out. They introduced him. I was standing right next to him, <laughs> and, and I'm standing ringside, um, <laughs> and, and ABC Sports is filming everything, and, and after the fight is over, we go back into his dressing room, and he takes a shower and he, and he changes and he says, Bo, I want you to do something special for me. I want you to write down your name and your phone number for me because I really like you. It, 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 you know, I, I sort of had the same kind of energy that he, yeah. he had. And, and so I didn't have a business card in the Soviet Union, but, but I wrote my name on a piece of paper, Bo Winnaker of 617-277-6673. And, and I gave it to him and so six months later, um, he was fighting Leon Spinks. He he lost to him the first time, but he, he fought him again, and he won uh, the world championship again. He became a world champ again, and, and so um, he calls me on the phone. Uh, I'm living with my brother Bill in Coolidge Corner, Brookline, and, and the phone rings one morning around <laughs> 6 o'clock in the morning, and, and Bill answers the phone, and he's shaking me in my bed, and he says, I have Muhammad Ali on the phone. 
And I said, this is crazy. So I pick up the phone, and it was Muhammad. And he said, Bo, I just want you to know something. I, I fought Leon Spinks again for the second time, losing the first time, but but I have regained my world championship. <laughs> and I don't forget my friends, and I want you to know that, that I'm the champ again. So he called you up. He, he called he, me on the As soon phone. as he won. As soon as the ref puts his hands in there, he's, he's thinking, I got to call Bo. Well, he's not thinking that. <laughs> no, no, he's not thinking that. But but he did call me at 6 o'clock in the morning, so something happened between the end of the fight where he, he thought of me. He called me one other time, too, so so it was a fluke, but it was a fluke that happened two times. He he was fighting another exhibi- exhibition in Providence, Rhode Island, and he called again and said, I want you to come. I'm at the Biltmore Hotel in Providence, I'm, and, and you'll just ask for me. So I, I get to the Biltmore Hotel. I go to the 15th floor where, where he's staying, and, and there's a whole security. There's no one staying on the floor except for Muhammad Ali. Mm. And, and the security says, what, what, what are you doing here on this 15th floor? I said, well, I'm Bo Winnicott. I'm Bo. I'm Bo. He said, well, well, come with They said, come with me. We'll take you right down. <laughs> That's cool. So I, so I, I went with him. We, we did the same thing again. Never heard from him again. That was it. Wow. You know, I'm sure you've heard, you've told that story many, many times, but you tell it now as fresh as if it were the first time. And I bet that even though, and one, this is one of the, the reasons people like you, you and the way you perform your music is, even though you've played a song many, many times, it's probably played by you guys as fresh as if it were the first time. You With know, the I, same I, I, I'd say, energy and excitement. I, well, well, you know what? I, I want to tell you this, that I put my heart and soul into every single note. I play that trumpet, and, and I play it like each performance is the last time I'm going to play. I mean, I give it I give it all, all the time. <laughs> okay. That's all. I want to say one thing about my trip to the Soviet Union and, and the different countries. Okay. And that, I want to say, is people are the same no matter where you go in the world. It's the customs that are different. That's what I believe. Very good. I just I have uh, enough time for Melody and Marvel okay. had to say hello. We don't really have time for much else. Melody, hi. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. I just want I don't know uh the Winnickers though. I've heard of them from friends. But it sounds like y'all have an incredible repertoire and with the knowledge of thousands of songs which is so impressive. I can't believe it. I wondered how could I possibly get in touch with one of you to possibly do something for us, a big gathering in Nantucket this summer? Are you all available to get in touch with? Of course. Um, um, you can send me an email at uh, bo, B-O, at W-I-N-I-K-E-R, music.com bo at winnickermusic.com and and we will get back to you immediately thanks melody more gigs good <laughs> and an Nantucket as well uh, we love it we didn't have time for the the uh parker house story but oh, we'll to, we we've got hundreds of stories you know we played at the parker house for 14 years and we had played at skipjack's brunch in boston for 26 years so we we've been very lucky how how did we stay successful my dad gave us good advice. He said, when you go into the Parker House, do the best performance you can and then get right out afterwards and don't try to tell them how to run their business. <laughs> you, guys are the, you guys are the best. Thank you both very much for coming out late well, at night like this. Well, we hope to come back someday. Absolutely. The, the, good, the, the good news is you didn't tell all your stories, so you have to come back. We would love to. <laughs> all right. It's WBEZ. And if uh, you missed some of that, there's always the podcast.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.